Hello and welcome back to the Free Reeling It podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jesse, and your other host is right here. Say hello, Matthew. Hi, I'm Matthew. <laughs> um, In reference to the movie we're doing today, I am Spartacus. Uh, yeah, today we are covering <laughs> my first pick, which is That Thing You Do, which came out. I should have had all the information on my fingertips, but no, but the IMDb app is right here, so I am fine. Came out in 1990. directed by Tom Hanks. Yes, yes, it's very <laughs> much directed by Tom Hanks. We can get to how much it's directed by Tom Hanks uh, in a bit. Oh, man. Uh, because there's a lot of reasons why you feel like, oh, this is directed by Tom Hanks when you're watching it, if you know enough about his history. Um, but came out in 1996. <laughs> Uh, I think it was a budget of like 26 million and then it made domestically like 30 or 40 million, I think. Like it, it 34.6 according to Wikipedia. Yeah, so it did decently well. Um, I don't think it was supposed to be like a game busters of a movie, but it, it reviewed extremely well. Like it has a 71 on Metacritic, uh, Metacritic and it has like a 90 something on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it reviewed extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't. Uh, you know, uh, Matthew, I'm going to toss it to you. What, what did you think of the movie overall? This is a movie that we've both seen, and I think I've seen it like five or six times at this point. Um, I've seen it five or six times now at this point, too, because uh, Reba and I watched it. When did we watch it? I told you when we uh, Tuesday night. I've mm. watched it twice since Reba and I watched it. Oh, okay. I actually watched it once today. Um, Mainly because uh, I like I remember I saw it in theaters, mm-hmm. and I remember really liking it then. And I remember, you know, so okay. So going back to the mid '90s, I was in high school. I was also that. I was also that that very snarky, um, know it all when it came to music. So mm-hmm. people were always trying to say, "Oh, listen, listen to them doing all these classic songs." I'm like, "No, these are new songs." These, these these are new songs and i ended up being right because you know i i was i, I had to i had to stick the boot in that way because i was a fucking insufferable teenager um but uh i but watching this uh now and sort of looking back and i'll probably i'll probably get into just some anecdotes as we go through the episode but watching it now versus watching it then like Watching it then, it was like, man, I kind of want to be famous. Watching it now, it's like, wow, I've actually had some of these moments, yeah. <laughs> and 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 like this, it really strike, it really hits the hits the notes perfectly. Yeah. And uh, and what about you? Uh, for me, it, yeah, it's weird because the last time I watched this, I was much younger. It's been a it's been a hot minute since I watched it all the way through. Um, I also like I have the Blu-ray and I put it in. And it's like, do you want to watch the regular or the extended? And I'm like, have I ever seen the extended edition? But I'm like, you know what? For this, I'm just going to watch the regular. I don't know what the extended has. I'm just going to see the regular and base it off of that. But afterwards, I hit play on the extended just to see how much longer it was, and it's an hour longer. <laughs> yeah, there's like an entire arc that's cut out of. The yeah, movie. like all of mostly most of Charlize Theron's scenes. It seems like it's been cut out of the movie because i was watching some behind the scenes and most of the extra footage that they showed and the behind the scenes are all of her stuff like almost mm-hmm. all of it's her stuff um which also charlie runs in this movie i, for- yeah. I didn't know that <laughs> like when i watched i wasn't conscious of who she was i was like who she's in this <laughs> what <laughs> and yeah. flux is in this what yeah uh, which is kind of bonkers because she looked every, 
everybody looks so young in this movie. Even Tom Hanks yeah. looks extremely mm-hmm. young in this movie. I mean, it's 96, so it's been over 20 years. 25 but, years. <laughs> yeah. But um, but also, did you know that Tom Hanks had movies in the 80s where he looked even younger? Yes, yes. Big is also one of my favorite movies. I've seen young Tom Hanks. I like Money Pit, even though no one else does. Oh, Money Pit rules. I yeah. love that movie. Um, but... Uh, no, I like and, it, and I enjoyed it, and I, I I'm gonna watch the extended eventually. I'm gonna take my time and watch it at some point, but I cannot see any of that hour being needed <laughs> because this movie is so perfectly timed and uh, tight. Like it's an, it's an hour 46, 48 minutes. Like there's not room for it to really breathe too long. There's enough space to let the characters ruminate. The only thing I wanted more out of i mean we can get into the more plot later but the more thing i want more is more of the band being the band but at the same time yeah. that's not the point of the movie so that's fine but i did want more of that because I, I think i just like biopics that have more band being the band um, right well i i also think that i also think uh just to sorry to no you're good i kind of i want to dovetail onto what you yeah. were just saying but like the nature of how the band becomes the band mm-hmm. and their little star turn like what happens we'll, we'll probably get yeah. through shortly but i think that also fits in line with the with the overall story of numerous bands that have had that happen yeah especially at that time like this takes place in the late 50s early 64 64 yeah it's like i was like i know they said it but i don't so, so like, it's like i think it's within months of the beatles being yeah. on ed sullivan and so like it makes sense that this is the 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 story there like it goes for too because this is how all those bands try there's so many as someone who has a who's a dad that loves that music and like i watched it with my parents because they were like just out in the living room when i was watching it and they're like oh here's this and this and this from this era and this and i'm like oh, okay cool cool this is too much information um it, it does make sense that this is like a the the wonders become the one hit wonders because that's just what happened to a lot of bands at the time they just mm-hmm. they did the press tour they finally got back to the studio and they realized you know what this is stupid <laughs> like this is just dumb we shouldn't be here and we shouldn't be doing this um yeah. so yeah like um yeah i think i, th- I think it's a really fun movie it, it's weird that this is the one of two movies tom hanks has directed because it's mm-hmm. a very competently made movie um there's not like there's not a lot of like crazy spectacular cam work there's one special effect scene that i noticed in this movie and it's only because it is aged the so green poorly. screen the green screen yeah <laughs> yeah it's, where it's, they're looking it's, at where they're looking at that crowd that's yeah. exactly yep <laughs> yeah and i'm watching i'm watching the blue round of 4k tv so like that <laughs> that stood out it's like um, oh wow they are not in that stadium yeah it's like there's not there's not people here there's no people here um <laughs> And so like, other than that, like the movie looks great. The costume design, the the set pieces, everything works in this movie. And so it just blows my mind that the only other movie he did, it was, uh, what was it? Tom, is it Thomas Crown? Is that what it's called? No, it was um, Lloyd's, not Harold Lloyd, but like, I'm a film director. I was, I was just looking at this. Larry Crown. That's what it was. Larry Crown. Okay. Yes. Thomas that, Crown. Right. <laughs> he, he Larry, the Thomas Crown affair. Larry Crown, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and like know. that movie, as far as I know, didn't do well. So, well, I think. Well, I, I, I honestly had not heard of this movie, heard of Larry Crown before yeah. 
looking into this because I'm like, really? He only directed because I I think in our last episode you had said he had only directed this, and I'm like, is that true? Yeah. But then I actually realized I'm like I'm like I knew he had directed at least something else, and he had directed that. Um, I knew he directed episodes of Band of Brothers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was some. It, was it? Did he direct Band of Brothers? I think he, I think he directed a few episodes, and he was like co-producer with Spielberg. But I also he directed something else after that. Uh, let me see. And it was it was another HBO miniseries. It was it had to do with World War II. Um, I could be mistaken, and it's that one that I'm thinking of. Because uh, let me see. Because I, I think Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. I think that was. Was that just produced by? He directed one episode of Band or... of Brothers. Um, he also directed one episode of From the Earth to the Moon. Um, right. One episode of the TV show Fallen Angels. One episode of the TV show League of Their Own, and one episode of Tales from the Crypt. That is all of his directing credits. Yeah. 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 It, it's weird because, I... like, you watch the behind the scenes too, and Tom Hanks seems like a great person to direct you. Like, all of them are like he's the only one that because most of these guys were like this is their first real big role in any movie mm-hmm. uh, which the cast is the cast is one of those casts is like perfect but also at the same time you're like man these guys why did any of these guys do a went off to do like big franchises like all these guys are leading men and like they're mm-hmm. mostly on tv shows like there's a few like they all they all have a few other movies under the belt like uh 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 steve zahn has been in a bunch of comedies like like i know who steve zahn is and stuff but most of them are yeah. tv show people uh for the most part and so well, i like, remember tom yeah. everett scott was in dead at 21 i yeah. think a movie where uh zach morris from saved by the bell who is 100 trash uh is in that with him and they try and get roommates that'll commit suicide so they can get a's in college yeah which is <laughs> yeah okay yeah 90s were weird um and like Liv know, tyler was in yeah. armageddon i mean Liv tyler's which even then like Liv tyler i was like watching I was like, why, <laughs> why have i haven't seen a Liv tyler movie since incredible hulk like where, where's Liv tyler been? <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, what does she need to do it's fair uh but yeah like tom <laughs> tom Robert scott he's in uh southland which is like a pretty good co- i mean cop dramas being what right. they are like it's pretty good and like jonathan uh i don't know how to pronounce his last name but the guy played Jimmy. shake yeah. jonathan, jonathan skitch yeah he, he, he plays jonah <laughs> hex and um and the the cw stuff and he plays a great jonah hex i am sorry for thanos you shouldn't that movie shouldn't exist that should have just been him playing jonah hex and all the movies um, did he play Th- wait he played thanos uh, not not uh, Jonathan's get, uh, sketch guy. Uh, Josh Brolin played Jonah Hex in the movie version. Oh, but, uh, okay. Jonathan uh, sketch played him in the TV version. It's much much better. Uh, okay. Um, all so, right. So, so yeah, I was just thinking it's like this movie has all all the workings of like a big blockbuster, not blockbuster, but like a fun drama comedy dramedy that I don't know, just feels like no one talks about. <laughs> yeah i i would i would agree totally like i wouldn't i wouldn't look at this as like some lost like influential film but i would definitely say like this is this is a good flick yeah and it it i think i think the way it's made kind of um in a weird in a weird way and i i I hate to bring i hate to make an analogy to video games here but you know yeah go for it in what I when I really like a video game, it's like the gameplay and it's all the elements sort of sync up. Well, the way that this film is cut, 
and directed, story written, told on top of what it's what's actually happening on screen. It is all, you know, it's it's kind of like a symphony all dedicated to that one hit wonder idea. Yeah. And it and it really sings. And yeah, I mean, like you, I did not watch the the extended cut, but I looked I looked to see what was in it. And uh and so I know like about a whole story arc that I'll I won't talk about because if you want to watch it, I don't want to like break spoilers into it. But I mean it's it's long enough. You're more than welcome to. But like the thing is too like there's there's moments for this movie to take the very stereotypical route like mm-hmm. tom hanks like I, I was watching it and i hadn't i don't remember i didn't remember the plot very much so i just looked at my mom I'm like is he a sleazy manager and my mom's like no he really wants the best for these guys i'm like so they don't go for that they don't go like neither manager there's two managers movie and neither one of them really goes for the like abusing the the artist role which is true to what managers were they were pretty much like slave drivers in a lot of ways yeah um, well yeah, the music industry then is way different than what it is now yeah and even then it's not great at times now but like oh and i'm not i'm not saying it's so much better <laughs> yeah 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's a different um, shade of terrible <laughs> but like they, they save the ugliness of the music industry for um the owner of playtone which yeah. is interesting and like tom hanks in this yeah tom hanks isn't like the best because he doesn't really support them once the band starts falling apart like he's basically like you're yeah. on your own you guys got to figure this out but he still believes in them he believes that they can do great things if they just worked <laughs> on it um and so and and there's 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 key moments too of this movie um i think about the scene where their song the the wonder song that thing you do gets played mm-hmm. on the radio and Liv Tyler hears it first and she starts screaming and running down downtown of their city their small city and then she runs into the bass player and he and he goes what, what's happening she's like your song's on the radio and they both start screaming and now they're <laughs> running and and like they're screaming at people as they're running and then they run into guys uh dad's shop and he, they all start screaming because the song's on the radio and then they all start playing it and then the other two members show up and they start screaming and all that that whole scene works together as such a fun like ecstasy moment of like oh yeah this is the release of all that first half an hour and they do it twice because when the record starts going once playtone signs on and Mm -hmm. the record starts rising on the top 100 every time like the first time they see it on the top 100 it happens again they They all start screaming (laughs) the get two of those build-ups and then releases in the same movie Mm -hmm. is quite impressive (laughs) Well, and then when they, when, when, uh, towards the end, when he says, Hey, so we have to, we have to abandon this ship as quickly as possible because you guys now have the fastest yeah, chart. You have the fastest rising yeah, ha- chart yeah, single in the history of Playstone. Yeah. It happens again in the, that room. It's funny. Cause this time they're not screaming, but everybody else is screaming. They're just trying to get out of there, which mm-hmm. is so Well, and then I, I also like, and I'm glad you brought up the, the moment where they heard the song on the radio, because that was like, watching it uh tuesday night with reba i actually teared up a little bit uh because i remember when i first moved to philly and um i start i ran i I fell in with a crew that wanted to make films so Mm -hmm. we we got we got into this thing called the 48 hour film project where you spend a weekend making a movie 
and the payoff was you got to see your movie on in a, in a theater yeah and our movie i will i will never say i will never ever say it was good <laughs> because it was terrible yeah. <laughs> sorry jason if you listen to this you know what i'm talking about <laughs> but uh when I when I saw the thing that we made on a big old theater screen, I was like, "Oh, I could, I want more of this, please." Yeah. <laughs> and, and and yeah, and I kind of just like, man, I remember that feeling. Yeah, and like uh, for me in high school, <clears throat> I was a big drama nerd, and I mean, still a big drama nerd, but I don't do plays anymore. Um, and I just remember when we would do a play, and our theater was like maybe 200 people was the theater that we always rented and we would sell out every night and then get the standing ovation every night and not that we played it the same every night we always tried to switch it up a bit even though my teacher hated that um every time we would get like a standing ovation because people really enjoyed it i felt like i I could do this forever i could keep doing this forever because this is this is just the best feeling and so to see that captured so perfectly on a film like you can't not enjoy that scene you can watch that scene out of context and still feel mm-hmm. the joy of that scene, which is very, very fun. Uh, talking yeah. about camera work on and like how the shots are structured and stuff, I want to talk about because I, I felt like I recognized the name. The cinematographer on this is Tak Fujimoto. Hopefully, I pronounced the first name yep. right. Um, and I just want to talk about how they worked on Signs, <laughs> The Sixth Sense, <laughs> Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Silence of the mm-hmm. Limbs, Ferris Bueller's mm-hmm. Day Off, and Pretty in Pink. Yep. Now, we could talk about their later work. With, the range. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it seems like he later worked a lot with, um, uh, I can't remember his name, the guy who made signs in The Sixth Sense. M. Night Shyamalan. M. M. Night Shyamalan. So he did The Happening, and he <clears> did <throat> Lady, I think he did Lady in the Water and stuff. Like, so he did the bad movies, too. But I don't think I've ever heard those movies say they were shot poorly. It's that they were poorly acted and the script was bad. <laughs> like, those are usually what those yeah. movies are. Um, and, like, so having such a talented cinematographer behind you with a good sense of like direction because tom hanks uh i don't know if he fully wrote this by himself yeah he only wrote he's the only listed screenwriter for this too so he wrote and directed this and he started and he kind of stars in it too as the, the manager mr white um like to have someone with such a vision of what he wanted and then have such a cinematographer who's so good at giving the vision of those directors um i think is what plays into this so well too and i mean the, the editing's super tight. I don't know if Tom Hanks edited this himself or had someone else in the studio with him. Um, but like, I, mean, I can look. I have a, I have the IMDb right here. Let me see. If there's editing credits. It was um, edited by Richard Chu. Okay, and let me see what else. I mean, right away, known for Star Wars, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, yeah. Shanghai Noon. Well, like, like looking at looking at Tak Fujimoto's credits, like he he shot Badlands in 1973, a Terrence Malick film. That's yeah. One of the- best looking films ever um i mean and then he also did you know death race 2000 like the range on on this and, and on I mean, this person like the composer howard short lord of the rings the hobbit the aviator the, the twilight movies say what you yeah. want, good howard, howard howard shore's uh howard shore's got a deep a deep score credit as well yeah and like so, so i mean everybody that worked on this film it has like a massive like career behind it and tom and like this i mean this is 100 tom hanks at the height of his 
celebrity because I don't know like, oh, yeah. Force Gump was either right after this or right before this. It was um, right before this. I think I think I read that he wrote this while doing the press junket for Force. Yeah. Gump. So like he basically. I mean, and this is honestly like this could either work amazingly or it fails, and this is one of the times it works amazingly. Where Tom Hanks is like, "Here's here's my name. Do you want to work with this with me?" Mm-hmm. And all these yeah. people are like, "Yeah, it's Tom Hanks. Let's go." I mean, it's it's very similar to to uh, at least you know Tom Hanks didn't go the way of the person I'm about to mention. Yeah, uh, but it's very similar to Mel Gibson doing Graveheart when he did. Braveheart. Yeah, yeah. Like, um so we won't talk any more about that i mean i'm i'm not gonna say never say never but yeah we'll probably talk we'll probably get one day have problematic actors or directors or something oh definitely um if we get if we start getting into old hollywood or old movies in general problematic shit all over the place it's really fascinating to how there because there's there's a key thing that i've noticed in movies and biopics nowadays have this issue too uh, or biopics, depending how you want to pronounce it, um, where you're at, you can tell, you can just tell if the actors who are in the movie do not know how to play instruments. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I don't play instruments anymore, but I have a lot of friends that do, and I've been around a lot of instrument players, so I can tell when people aren't playing their instruments. Um, sure. And it's so good that Tom Hanks is like, no, you guys learn this first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like their first rehearsal together, they already knew how to play the songs yeah because they were trained to do it so like they came to the first rehearsal playing that's they played the songs as the first rehearsal and like Mm -hmm. that's and that makes this movie again feel so much more authentic as they you see them playing you see them enjoying the music they're doing it together Mm um i i wrote down on this i'm wondering if you agree with this i don't think this movie has a message per se like it has like a meaning and there's a, there's a meaning behind the movie but i don't think that like tom hanks wrote this like i want this movie to say this i think tom hanks is like i have this cool idea and i have the structure for this idea and so i'm just gonna write the movie like that i have um because there's a message the message is like no matter what don't give up on your art type of thing but it's mm-hmm. such a loose and light message that they just say it to you. Like when he's talking, when guys talking to uh, the Del Paxton, Del Paxton, Del Paxton just mm-hmm. says the message of the movie to him. Yeah. Like he just says it. Um, yeah. So like for a movie that's not like heavy, it, it's heavy handed. Like when it just says it, but it's not heavy handed in the sense of like there's a deeper meaning. There's something really you have to look hard. It's like no, this is like this is a masterclass. It's like this is a feel good movie. Enjoy it mm-hmm. and people responded just well to it and i and i think that is something that we're kind of missing nowadays like it's something that happened in the 90s because the 90s were a place for everybody to make a movie but nowadays Mm -hmm. it's theaters are so limited and stuff that i feel like there's no space for a movie to just be like have fun enjoy it you kids well not to not to bring up video games again but like what that thing you do kind of exists in that space between yeah like that in that space between huge AAA budgets and indie films. Yeah. And um, so this would, de- I mean, if this, if, if that thing you do were a video game, it would definitely be that B to your game, but this is not a B movie. Yeah. Uh, because uh, several host of reasons that we could probably do an entire other show on. Yeah. But, um, but I do, I, I agree with you 100%. Like there, I think this is more about, like the idea of this happening rather than the story of 
a band this happened to. Um, mainly because, like, I remember when we had talked about this and you were like, yeah, there are a lot of references to the Beatles or, or whatever. But what I like specifically here and definitely ties into the music is there's no, like, music of the time. It is all freshly written in the in the 90s whenever they wrote that prior yeah. to the film and, coming and out there's a few songs that you're like this is definitely like a offshoot of this song but it's still its own which mm-hmm. is really great right and i was i was actually thinking about uh as after watching it on tuesday night and then subsequent watches have kind of taken this away from me but i was actually thinking about the band like you were you had mentioned that it was like a one hit wonder but like also the beatles but i was thinking about the band question mark and the mysterians who did uh 96 tears which okay. is like a pretty timeless classic song from this period i think it might be a little bit later but um you know that band is characterized by their weird front man who decided to go by the name question mark and yeah. wear sunglasses uh so i feel like Tom Everett Scott's, you know, them putting shades on him is kind of a reference to that, but not mm-hmm. doing it on the singer, which I will say this, Michael Shake or however you say his name, if you put wraparound sunglasses on that, pretty dead on looks like question mark from question mark and the mysterious. Okay. I'll have to look, but I, I'm, I'm look that up. Later. But I'm, di- but, I, but I'm digressing. I, I like, I like this, that it's a completely like out of time but still evocative of that time and like digging into a little bit of this like there there were a couple of bands in the 60s named the wonders because of course there were yeah everybody had a garage band at that point in time um and also like there was one that had a had minor hit and they were in iowa which you know that's me uh, <laughs> i'm from iowa so felt pretty proud of that other than you know other things that go on there and 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 yeah, it's 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 a very apt choice in saying, you know, bands come and go. You just got to keep playing. Yeah. And I think that that I think that works. I think that metaphor works across any sort of creative endeavor. Yeah. Like, like I, I I was a music critic, but I still write, even though I'm not writing for anybody. Um, yeah don't let the art die out just because you're not doing you're not making money on it you're not like like living in it right now like just keep doing it um yeah there's like a couple other points i want to hit but one i want to talk about because we said it earlier like this is a tom hanks tom hanks movie and the Mm -hmm. reason i say that and i think the reason you agree with that is because of the guest appearances in this movie uh oh definitely yeah. oh definitely <laughs> yeah uh his wife shows up um yep his son it, and daughter it, show up <laughs> yeah like i was watching i'm like that's colin hanks <laughs> yep and, i'm like and, i'm like oh yeah that's colin hanks <laughs> and then um the the ed sullivan like show is his his co-star in bosom buddies i don't remember yes peter scolari yeah Yeah, it's like like, who's also julia duffy's boyfriend on newhart yeah i'm really old but it's like i saw i saw that i'm like oh yeah tom hanks is just like hey all of you've been part of my life for so long let's Mm -hmm. let's make you're in this movie oh yeah oh Um, yeah bring everybody back out like i'm surprised there's not a baby in there that was like chet hayes or something um, I was I, I was honestly I was, I was waiting, waiting for the adult I was waiting for the adult woman in big to show up just sit somewhere yeah. <laughs> um, like, she's gotta be in here somewhere 
which like i i think if i was someone who was more critical of movies in general would be like well that's just nepotism um but for me it was just fun because i knew that this was tom hanks making a movie for fun like that's what you that's what you feel at that point when that's when those characters start to show up in the second half you're like oh that he just really wanted to make a fun movie because he he doesn't get he didn't get to do that for a while (laughs) And I don't mm-hmm. think he's done it in a minute. Maybe, maybe Larry Crown was his fun movie again. That's why he made it. Yeah. Um, he's like, I'm gonna go make something fun. I'm gonna make Sully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna make the Polar Express. Uh, I like the Polar Express. I know a lot I, of people don't, but I really do. <laughs> I like it. I like it for my memories. I don't like it as I'm, I'm watching it again. Um, but that that that's yeah, that's a whole other thing we can talk about. It's the uncanny valley of Robert Zemeckis. Um. But uh, the one thing I really like about this too is like this movie and Spinal Tap, which I will say I have not seen Spinal Tap as a full movie. I've seen Spinal Tap as a clips that I've seen throughout my life. Um, but but enough of I've seen enough of both to say that these movies, for being about fake bands and Spinal Tap, for more than anything being a parody and satire of bands, but mm-hmm. being about fake bands have laid the groundwork for what biopics and and um documentaries are from the modern band (laughs) like you watch any biopic from the last 20 years and it plays out like that thing you do and it's either it's either well there's three i think i think there's like three sources there's this there's spinal tap and there's martin scorsese's the last waltz yeah which you know everyone says talking heads stop making sense is the high watermark for a concert film i'm I like that. I like that movie. It's very good, but Last Waltz is a masterclass. Whereas and, and, and there's definitely like sense is very good. There's definitely like offshoots in different varieties of things, like most movies. But I feel like you start by like the core plot points of these movies and base them all off of that. And it just makes it so fascinating because the two main ones are about fake bands. Like they're not real bands, mm-hmm. but they're so they're so authentic in the way that they do it. Even if Spinal Tap's a comedy it's so authentic in the way that it portrays its characters though <laughs> like i've seen enough band documentaries with my dad to know bands act like that <laughs> like yeah. they just do um yeah. so to see yeah no see, yeah. yeah god damn it oh <laughs> to see this become the template is so fast especially like even at the end credits it's like and guy and Faye went off to do this and blah blah mm-hmm. went off to do that and he teaches jazz now i'm like oh my god that's that's a lot of people that are in bands they end up as music teachers yeah and, and then so, and then and then and then well we have to talk about jimmy who yeah, jimmy. is like you're recording my songs or no songs and then he ends up leaving the wonders and then going back to playtone and putting out three gold albums just like yeah as you say like jimmy's the talent uh, yeah. uh lenny is the idiot and oh god is lenny the idiot but the best idiot i i got oh talk- can we just, let's just let's have a Lenny love fest because let's talk about, let's talk about Z, let's have a Steve Zahn love fest because Steve Zahn is I maybe, don't like Steven Zahn anywhere except this movie oh I was gonna say like I think he's one of my favorite third man who breaks like breaks tension in almost any movie because he's my favorite part of Daddy Daycare also because like oh shit he's in Daddy Daycare he is he's the idiot friend in Daddy Daycare too <laughs> and um, oh, the man, second one, the first one. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been too long. I gotta watch that. <laughs> but like, and like, uh, let me see some some other Steve Zahn where he's like the third man who breaks up uh, tension. 
Mm-hmm. Um, where where I saw it here and I just lost it. Um, do 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 do. Why did I? Sahara, like oh he, god, yeah. He he's he's, he, he's the he's the the con- the funny man to uh, Matthew McConaughey straight man and stuff. So it's like yeah. I don't know, man. Steve Zahn is just is is good. It's he's good when the director knows how to use him. I think because he's sure. definitely one of those guys that's like can go off the rails. But like, like I think about the scene where they're getting interviewed in that the state fair. <laughs> they're like, so mm-hmm. so how, why are you? I'm not with, with these fellas. <laughs> I have a I'm pig. Not with in, these fellas. <laughs> I have a pig in go the, the raisin. I I'm hoping to get the blue ribbon. And it's like. <laughs> It's so perfect. Or like when he's playing Go Fish with the two like Oh God, the Go Fish scene. I play a lot of cards. Was it my hips? <laughs> yeah, like those moments are great. But at the end, when he's he's going around and he's like, "I'm going to Vegas," it's like, okay, now I'm really getting a little too much of Steve's on maybe <laughs> at the end here. Um, but he's a good break of the tension between Guy and Jimmy a, a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm surprised again another way this movie usurps my expectations. I'm surprised the bass player doesn't die in the war. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. there isn't a tragic plot line yeah. where the bass player just doesn't because he cause, just doesn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> For good know the bass player has he's going in the Marines. That's like what mm-hmm. happens when they start going on tour. He's like, I list in the Marines. So at some point I gotta leave. And they're like, okay. And eventually he does. And, and like, he just drops it on him. He's like, Yeah, I'm 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 not do- I'm not doing yeah. this till Labor Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And at the end credits, you and see then, like he went to war, but like he survived. Yeah, he went two tours of duty in Vietnam, and he's now a contractor in Florida. Which, yeah. based on Ethan Emery's performance of that character, just like yeah, that checks out. Because boy, what a goober! Yeah, he was seventeen like, when they filmed that movie. By the way, I mean, I believe oh, you, it, should, but... you should you should see the movie he did before this. Oh, what did he do before this? Dutch. Oh. With oh. Ed O'Neill, okay, or, that. Al, or or Al Bundy, and it's a Thanksgiving movie. And interesting, it's I don't know how well it holds up, but like hearing him in interviews afterwards, he's he's so much not that character too, which is so fascinating because like they talked about how they the first rehearsal was on Halloween. He's like, yeah, I, can't. I I was like, it's Halloween. I don't care if it's a rehearsal. It's Halloween. So he came in drag, and everybody's like, who is this man? <laughs> um. Uh, another fascinating thing from the behind the scenes stuff just last like tidbit from that they went to, they did a tour in japan and mm-hmm. it was just the band and tom hanks and tom hanks is like why don't you tour japan as the band and so it was always tom hanks and the wonders it was never tom hanks and the actors it was right. the wonders and they're always in costume and they're always singing the songs and playing the music for for japan it was so that's so fascinating to me I don't know why that seems like it. Sh- I don't know why it- that seems like it shouldn't work. Yeah. But for some reason, I know that it automatically 100% works. And almost anytime they have a reunion, they were you there. It's a reunion of the wonders, not the actors. <laughs> like, yeah, they pretend to be their characters when they do reunions. Yeah. So it's so fascinating. I love how they keep there, that character. There's a backstory where all four members of the band actually hate each other, like yeah. as people, but like as characters. Hey. I'm, I'm gonna pig in competition at the livestock pavilion and i'm gonna win that blue ribbon take uh, us there sketch <laughs> how did we get here and like sorry the, i'm just quoting stevenson <laughs> the, the the fact that playtone they made playtone a record label to put out the soundtrack mm-hmm. like stuff like that yeah. just the small stuff is just so much fun of this movie um 
I don't know. Do you have any uh, final thoughts though about the movie or anything around it? Um. Well, to I I really want to dig into Lenny for a bit. Yeah. Because uh, this guy, this guy, uh, he makes not a great first impression because mm-hmm. you know when you see them in that in that uh, coffee shop slash diner at the beginning of the movie, he's like he knows that guy Patterson works at his father's appliance store and he's like oh my dad needs one of these and guy patterson's like well tell him to come by the store he's like oh but he already talked to a salesman at this other guy and it's just it's, he's just trying to troll him and then yeah they're on they're, they're they're referring to him as eerie pa's lone beatnik or whatever because he's the jazz weirdo that stays up and practices drumming in his dad's appliance store which you know man after my own heart uh except i would just be in headphones listening to whatever i had available um but i i just love the way he punctuates every scene Mm -hmm. like a needle to a balloon yeah that's true and and there's no tension that isn't like usually got gotten rid of by him when he's in the room yeah and like when they play the song, like, man, it took Chad a week to learn that. And speaking of Chad, poor Giovanni Ribisi. Oh, Giovanni Ribisi. I'm like, I forgot Giovanni Ribisi's in this movie. Why did I forget that? And then I realized why I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah, because he's he's in it for all of 10 minutes. He ends up, I, I think it's safe to assume that he ends up dating Guy's sister. Yeah, probably. Just, Breaks just his like, arm, becomes the new son. Yeah, the new, the new son. And, uh, but, uh, but I and, it, and he, well back to Steven's on. He punctuates every scene like a needle to a balloon. But then when he's given his moment in the spotlight, singing in Illinois, like mm-hmm. it's his song. Like after the blue ribbon, yeah, comment. He's he, they're like, hey, come on and dance with me tonight. And I just thought that I think that that's done really well. That like he's given his moment. And um, I like that the song is "Come on, Dance with Me" tonight because when we first see him in the band, he's always hitting on girls that try to get them to dance with him, and they're all ignoring him. Oh yes, and I think Chr- that's, Chrissy I, Tompkins at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional, but if it was, it's a brilliant payoff to that. As he writes a oh, song basically about that. Yeah, it's it's perfect. <laughs> hey, I, that's that's his girlfriend. I'm single. Is it serious? Oh, very serious. What about the bass player? He's married. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. Too. Oh. I, I I am a little upset that they didn't play off the bass player's romantic interest in um uh one of the other uh, bands on the Playtone tour. Uh, I can't remember her name. Well, um, they she's they don't really give her one, do they? It's, I mean, yeah, the, but, she's in the she's in the she's in the Ronettes knockoff of the Chantelines. Yeah, yeah but, yeah. but it's I feel but, like that was a thread that I'm like, well, I wish I could have seen that like actually end somewhere positive. But it's the same thing yeah. with like Jimmy and what's her name, um, the the kind of washed up Diane 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 Dan. It's like nothing goes there either, and like you could have probably had a plot thread where he cheats on uh, uh, Viv or is it Viv the Tyler's character Faye Faye. Faye um with diane dane and like that would have played into it more instead of the way they kind of break those two up which again it's this movie not picking the easy routes and just doing something different which is fun yeah which also i think that i think the way that they tackle those specific things it leaves it leaves enough it leaves enough of a hole that you can 
fill with at least it well at least it leaves enough of a sculptured hole where you yeah. can fill you know you can fill those details in uh because it's very obvious that he and that Jimmy and Diane are close when she sits on his lap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's by the way she touches I mean, them as as she's leaving the stage and she ignores yeah. all the other band members. I'm I mean um, and I'm not going to I I can't pretend to know what uh, '60s dating standards were like, but if I'm going to an amusement park with a with uh, someone of I'm interested in, chances are. It's not just like, hey, are we hanging yeah. out? Or... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but since we're talking about uh, Steve Zahn's character, I want to talk about uh, Love Tyler's character, but Faye is mm-hmm. a character, again, that they could have easily, easily played off as like, she's just a random girl. She's the love interest. There's going to be a weird love triangle thing. Uh, she's not important. Where Faye is very crucial to the support of the band and it's always with them. She's never thrown aside um yeah it could tom hanks's character could have easily been a jerk and just pushed her away but he's like no she's key to this so she's staying um the scene where they're getting into the police car and she's almost left behind and you have a guy going like no 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 she's with us and grabs her and brings her in like mm-hmm. uh even when she gets should have been jimmy yeah should have been jimmy should have been jimmy that's another sign of like her and guy's relationship but even like mm-hmm. when she gets sick they could have used like well faye got sick so she's gonna die now like none of that happens faye has her agency mm-hmm. she is there on her own for her own reasons and when her and guy get together at the end like it isn't because faye's like well guy's been there for me it's like no like this is what she wants this is what he wants and they they both wanted it but they didn't communicate it right away and so like it feels good to have a female lead also like not lose control of her life in this type of movie like they tend to do if that makes sense what i what i on what i the way i interpreted it uh, especially this time out because i didn't really re- i remember that they got together from when i first saw this yeah. oh so long ago but i didn't remember how it really came to be when i first watched it uh, with Reba at the end of the movie I'm like man that felt kind of forced mm-hmm. but but then I'm like you know but that seems right mm-hmm. uh, because I, I actually what and I didn't really go back to watch sub to watch this two other times in the past couple of days for this reason yeah. but I was glad that I found it the subtleties in the subtleties in mm-hmm. how they interact throughout the movie are are special and it builds, it builds and builds because it starts with uh, her saying thank you for like buying them breakfast mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning. But then like when he's doing band practice, like he's giving her off glances and she's not noticing them. So like right. both of them are like subtly kind of building towards each other till the end. And then she plays off of him saying wonderful and the wonders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, and then and then like just the, the little considerations that guy is gives her like when when she's sick and jimmy's not around you know guys like here lay down you have a fever i'll cover you up and he so, doesn't use this to like take advantage of her or anything he's like no i'm taking care yeah. of you and we're moving on yeah and you know he and like ultimately i i found myself resting with like this isn't your this isn't your damsel in distress situation mm-hmm. this isn't your this it, it actually mirrors like a lot of relationships I've seen, not that I've been in. Yeah. Um, because I feel like the ones that I've been in that were, because the, okay, before I just get way off track, 
at the end when Guy and and Faye end up together, they don't I, they don't seem to do it because like they have this like everlasting love. They're like, let's let's give this a shot. Yeah. And 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 I'm not like trying to be uh, denigrating, but it's very mu- it's very much similar to like. I don't mean this as put down, but it's basically any podcast I've ever started. It's yeah, like, yeah. Let's give this, let's give this no, a shot. That's fair. That's what what this is. But, and the fact that it, the fact that it works and that it stays is beautiful. And the times where I've been in a relationship where I'm like, yeah, let's just give this a shot. It's usually like, I'll give this a shot because I have nothing else. Whereas yeah. these two are giving this a shot uh, because they already they, they have the rapport and the, the, so basically she just doesn't friend zone guy that's yeah. that's what's happened <laughs> but, but not even that's like it, you see at the beginning like guy's interest with charlie's theron's character who's his girlfriend at the beginning like shifts because she's disinterested in anything he cares about and mm-hmm. he's disinterested in anything she cares about but faye's character is very much into like i want to support passions and mm-hmm. guys characters is i was like i like that you support my passions but also i care that you're good too yeah um yeah. and so when when uh jimmy breaks up with her it's because jimmy's like my passions override anything about you where guys like we it's a it's a cycle that feeds on each other because you there, there's no other point in the movie where guys looking at another girl like even though there's a scene yeah. with him talking to Tom Hanks's wife, I do not remember her name off the top of my head. Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson. And Rita Wilson's trying to flirt with Guy and like take him home and stuff. He's just not interested because well, he yeah, wants- Del Paxton walked oh, in. Yeah, the room also and Del Paxton all, right all of a sudden. <laughs> but even before you knew Del Paxton was there, he's thinking about jazz. He's thinking about music. But yeah. when any times Faye's around, he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about Faye. <laughs> like Faye's there. Yeah. And with Jimmy, we see Jimmy stray so fast from Faye. Oh yeah. As soon as he has time, he's just gone. I mean, or, he's like he's like he's like bagel if I let go of the leash. Yeah. <laughs> but guy only strays when music's involved. But the thing is Faye's right there with him when mm-hmm. music's involved. So I think that's why their relationship that subtly works very well near the end. Yeah, and that that scene they have towards uh right before they decide they're going to get together. Yeah. Uh talking at the like, coffee bar where she's like if you're if you, you better come back to erie and see me and he's like well listen to records and she's, she's like, like i, I love like that. that yeah it's like she's like yeah all right so it's, um it's 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 beautiful it i think really I, is. I think it's safe to say that we recommend this movie if you have not yes. watched it and if yes. you haven't watched it in a while i think it's a good rewatch i think it's a good mm. time and like a good good feeling movie if you need that right now yeah hold on um, so uh, yeah, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about the movie before we move on to uh, our next movie? What our next movie might be, and kind of what we've been watching. So I was, th- I was actually listening to uh, Wednesday. I was listening to the soundtrack to this uh-huh. movie to try and sort of place like because in my the way my brain works, I sort of like finding reference points. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I listen to a hip hop song, I, w- I want to try and think of what the sample is. Yeah, I want to try and find that. What I was trying to do with a lot of the songs here is trying to see who they're cribbing most. Yeah. And and I feel like there's only the the uh, the, the songs that are most referential to specific artists of the times are the ones least used. 
Yeah, they're the ones that are not the wonders. It feels yeah. Like. Well, I mean, no, well, it's it's not even that because like you could you could you could anybody could sit in my chair or your chair and say, yeah, they're just doing Beatles songs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When really, like, if if you if you examine the time, like there there's there's some kinks in there. There's yeah. some, there's some small faces. There's a um, lot of what was what encapsulated rock of the 60s there i don't remember the chanterlines yeah i don't remember the jazz singer who was leading the tour uh for uh, freddie Fredrickson. yeah his song is just a, a parody of secret agent man like it's that's yeah. just what it is it's either, it's either that or it could be because it's called theme from mr downtown yeah. which I'm, I'm sorry all cops are bastards um <laughs> uh it it could be theme from new york new york like that's a nod there yeah, yeah. It, i mean he definitely looks like a Dion and the Belmonts knockoff. Like yeah. he, there's so many, and then like Diane Dane is, could be, it could be Patuma Clark. It could be Dusty Springfield. Yeah. It could be, it could be Leslie Gore, anything. Uh, and, and like the Chanterlines are not like the easy one is the Supremes. I think they're yeah. more the Ronettes than the Supremes. Yeah. But you could pull anyone in there. They're it's a, it's a good melding pot of all of it rather than just one specific thing and i think that's why it works so well and and with uh the wonders themselves is like every time they play that thing you do because they play it about five times i think five or six times and they play it differently every time that's what i say they play it differently every time they add they add something they subtract something the first time they play it's a ballad the second time is where guy speeds it up and becomes a Mm -hmm. pop song Mm -hmm. Uh, like the fourth time or the the third or fourth time they play it they add in the beatles screams from like early beatles like it's it's beatlemania yeah but by the time they're playing it at the end it's very kind of like like restrained and like very formulaic because they've played it so much mm-hmm. um so it, it really is they are the the ones that are the most amalgamous of everything at the time they're the monkeys yeah. they're the beatles they're the beach boys they're everything i mean mm-hmm. they do a movie where they are the beach boys basically yeah well i think they're they're every like i think you could probably and i've never i've, I've not tried i've not really tried to do this but i'm pretty sure you could go to any one hit wonder band and find out that they've been in a movie somewhere yeah exactly yeah like in that same scenario where they are captain geach and the shrimp shack shooters and honestly i feel like this is tom hanks message of like saying hey ringo's important <laughs> oh for like, sure because like sure. guy is such an important part of the whole thing and he plays the like he, he's not he's good he's very good but when he's playing with the wonders he's not he's not showing off he's never really showing off he's just keeping the tempo and take yeah. and he's setting the tempo um and so i feel like this was like tom Hanks saying ringo's important too in a well, lot of ways and, you know as, as someone and you know oddly enough i was listening to uh revolver by the beatles earlier today and i was like man ringo's a fucking good drummer no one gives him credit like and one thing and i and i was actually thinking about something i don't remember if it was a documentary i saw or something i read about john lennon's first album Mm -hmm. um not not the one he did with yoko called two versions but the one uh it was i think it's it's just called plastic ono band yeah um and like he's he talked about i think he i don't remember if he did every drum track on that album or just most of them but he was like john kept coming to me because i never did the same fill twice yeah and i never i, I never if it was, if we were doing one take he was getting one fill he was and he would basically do takes until he got the fill he wanted yeah and 
you know, Ringo was a good drummer. Not the best singer, we can say that, yeah, but you know, I like, I like, Oct- I liked Octopus's Garden. Yeah, but uh, submarines, all right. I think he's a better writer with the Beatles than he is by himself. Um, oh, 100%. Well, because uh, he had he had three great songwriters going, no, yeah, stop um, the drugs for a minute and, and, and do your grammar, sir, or a bit, <laughs> a bit more, maybe. Um, but so yeah oh he I, was doing more drugs than any of them come on that's why yeah, he's, he that's looks why, the healthiest out of all of that's them. why that's why if you look at him and paul he looks younger <laughs> um hopefully when i have vegan life now though um that's true he also doesn't dye his hair which helps um true so yeah okay now, so yeah i think the wonders we've covered all of our bases uh mm-hmm. again watch this movie it's pretty cheap online um or buy the yes. blu-ray i bet you the blu-ray is like five bucks and you get the extended yeah. edition and all the cool bonus features with it and a weird yes. music video on the blu-ray that doesn't make sense <laughs> awesome like is there, wait a, wait there's a music video is it it's not is it just a wonder the wonders song. no it's not a wonder song like it's not one at least in the movie if it is a wonder song it's one that's only on the soundtrack and not in the movie and it's just oh the it's movie. the one that's is it the one that's is it the one that's in the credit song not even the one that's in the credit song it's weird oh really at least if it is in the credits i didn't, I didn't recognize it in the credits because it's so it sounds so differently well, um, the one that's in the credits sounds super different too. Oh, actually, I, we should talk yeah. about the song specifically because it was written by, I don't remember which member, but one of the members of Fountains of Wayne. Oh, uh, you know what? That makes 100% sense. And, and, it's, and like and like Fountains of, um, I remember Fountains of Wayne when they first showed up at the radio station. I was a DJ for in the 90s. Um, and I was like, what the was this and then like you know five years later i'm listening to stacy's mom and i can't get that song out of my head but yeah it was written by a member of fountains of wayne as part of in participate in he was participating in a contest that tom hanks put on to get to for someone to write a pop song for yeah, this movie that makes sense which is which you know it makes sense for both the the time because there were songwriting contests in the 60s where if you could write like a jingle yeah you'd get like free peanut butter for however long it, yeah. it, it, it makes so much sense this this movie is an arg <laughs> kind of <yeah. laughs> this movie is an arg this movie is a social experiment we just didn't realize until now yes you know what you what you don't know is in 2023 tom hanks is, is directing the first nft movie and we're all gonna die i don't i don't want that to happen <laughs> me either, me i like either. tom hanks enough to not want him to ever be involved in anything i hate please yes uh, please like please tom hanks stay stay precious to me please 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 be good please yeah. please stay good yeah please stay good uh, I know you can't uh, so, be perfect. Okay. Stay good. <laughs> but, yeah, don't be. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Be good. Um, yeah. So, so I think as you have tried several times. Oh, it's fine. No, we we're covered, good. We have covered our bases, and I keep so, bringing you back in. Before, before we pick our, or talk about our next movie, because I know you have two choices. I don't know what we've decided on yet. Um, okay. And like we talked about this beforehand, but we're I'm gonna say it for the audience who will listen to this. The way we pick movies will be changing. And by either the next episode or the episode after that, depending on if we have a guest for the next, like for for the third episode or not. Um, yes. But we'll talk about the changes for sure by next episode once we keep sure. worked out all the kinks. Uh, but we'll have like a, a master list, and then also we'll bring in random stuff. That's basically the, yes. the summary of it. Um, yes. But before we talk about the movies that you you want to try to choose from today, uh, what have you been watching other than uh, that thing you do three times? 
Um, so I've actually been watching uh, uh, Reba and I predominantly watch shows when we when yeah. we eat. Um, and we have like a we have like a stable uh, of shows that we just we watch them as like comfort food because we're both healthcare workers, and the stress is real, the burnout is real, and when you yeah. come home, it's really hard to turn on the brain sometimes. So you watch ER, you usually. Right? no <laughs> no she likes er she likes Grey's anatomy watch chicago med no <laughs> like i've watched enough of those shows and it's it's nice that i can look at hospital dramas now and say like oh look they're holding their x-rays the right side up yeah. or 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 they're looking at the right fucking thing because because yeah. I, I i don't remember which I think it was a cop drama. They're like, oh yeah, this kid broke his arm and they're showing, uh, you know, a tib fib, which is your shin. Yeah. Like that's not an arm. Do better. <laughs> that's not even an arm. I'm, I'm not even sure that's human <laughs> at that point. But, um, but we watch uh, like, I've, I really like the show, the league. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as problematic as it is, but it, it is the right kind of dumb. That is, I still giggle at it a lot. Um, but we've actually, we're actually going through this show um, called Madam Secretary. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm so, um, as a huge fan of that one. But like overall, it's like I, a really well done show, it seems like. Like, well, see, now as someone who was, when I, in the 90s, I liked The West Wing, but when yeah. I started watching it, like in the late, the late aughts, I was like, man, this is a neoliberal bullshit <laughs> like it, it, it's and and reba really loves the west wing but then we started watching him like see this is the problem here like because i've since it was out like i've moved further left yeah and uh, and i start to see a lot of aaron sorkin's like problems um i'm not gonna say he's bad at what he does because that's I, I can disagree with it yeah um but Madam Secretary is something I genuinely like, not because, and I actually don't think about the politics of it because I think if I did, it would be a, a real problem. But what I like is I see uh, Tia Leone, the older brother from Wings, and yep. their kids. Yeah. Uh, I'm never going to learn that man's name because he will always be the older brother from Wings to me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that I think that that family dynamic is actually wonderfully executed. I think the the way that uh, he, uh, the older brother from Wings and Tia Leone play off each other in terms of dealing with specific children. Like they know that he's good with the oldest daughter, she's good with the middle daughter, and uh, they're kind of both at odds with their son. But it's never just like he's just a shitty teenager, despite being a shitty teenager. Yeah, they're just all trying to figure it out, and they're all trying to work through it together. Sure, there's some privilege in all of it. I get that, but you know i think i think they work around that really well i like um the office staff uh particularly uh which i just learned this woman's name bb newworth okay i will because because i grew up i grew up in the age of cheers she is always lilith from cheers to me (laughs) (laughs) or 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 lilith from the couple of cameos she made in the fraser show um but she's she's wonderful um yeah, her entire staff is is flawlessly done, and her lawyer Mike B, this James Spader looking asshole, is wonderful as well. Like it's a really good cast, and I think I think you know for the five or six seasons that show went, um, 
it, it's really good. And I've also uh, started successfully getting her to watch the original Mobile Suit Gundam because that's who I am as a person. That's the 86, uh, right? 1979. Oh, 97. Why the 86? Yeah. I've been watching it um, two on and off. I don't know why I thought that. The, I think the compilation movies came to America about that time. Gotcha. Um, but I've had her, I've, we've, this is our second bite at this cherry and she's gotten through five episodes and she's starting to hum the opening and closing songs. And I okay. feel like I, I'm in, in doing, in, in referencing Urkel, I'm wearing her down. So it's only a matter of time before I get her to watch Zeta, double Zeta. Tell me you guys get you the G fighter Gundam because that's one of my favorites. I've not seen, I've not seen G Gundam. So. See, G Gundam, this is why G Gundam is good because it's Gundam. If Gundam was a Rocky movie, uh, that's that's basically the pitch. Go it's, on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the this, we're not gonna get too deep in this, but it's basically the most not Gundam Gundam show because the premise of it is Gundams are used to do fighting arenas, and so they mm-hmm. basically are having boxing matches on planets. Um, and it's just about one Gundam, like one lone Gundam, trying to raise up to the ranks to find the guy who killed his master uh and stop oh that's military. cool but it's all like it's all one-on-one combats it's not mass space war it's these one-on-one arena yeah. fights and he has but like yeah. special moves well i'm i'm actually excited to test your little theory of it not being the most not gundam gundam because uh gundam x like i've been i've been i've been i've been i've been a, I've been a, I've been a, a Full disclosure, been a Patreon supporter of Abnormal Mapping and yeah. their great Gundam, and their great Gundam that's why, project. That's why I started rewatching it. And I've been going through the series that I have rather than keeping current. But I did get Gundam X, and I started following along. But then I'm like, then life got ahead of me. But I, I will go back. But Gundam X is some is like I have a feeling that if I finish, if and when I finish that series, it will basically cement that. To me, Gundam is better than Star Wars. Yeah, no, I get, I get, I get. And and I'm because there's, I mean, they get they get to the Jedi shit real early in Gundam X. So, I feel so like Galaxy so, of Heroes is the better Star Trek, probably. Is that what's yeah, yeah. That that yeah, you you might be right there. I need to watch more Star Trek. I, that's, I I'm, I'm, I'm also slowly going through that. I watched Deep Space Nine first, but now we're going through the original series, and that's a slog. Even there's some fantastic sci-fi episodes. There's oh yeah, BS one. There's some there's some dog shit in the original Star Trek. People don't talk about it, but there is. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that's cool. What about you, Jesse? Um, watching. I've been watching a lot of anime. I don't want to get into all the anime I've been watching because I'm just trying to catch up on stuff. But cool. Uh, other than my main show I'm watching is Bleach, but I'm on a break on that too. But I watched two movies this last week. I watched Serpico for the first time, which Great movie. Um, I have this weird thing with older movies. Not like that, I don't like them. I love them, but I I think about them in too much of a modern sense at times. Mm-hmm. And Serpico is one of those ones that probably got hit the hardest with that because it's plotting feels messy but also at the same time it's one of those movies that set the standard for these type of movies so mm-hmm. it's messy plot it just means that these movies refined it to a t that that serpico couldn't do at the time and it might be just yeah. because of like how movies were made in that era it's just like you're on such a crunch of time like you don't have two years to develop and plan and uh make it. it's like no we got 
three months. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's get this done. Yeah. Um, well, I think also, also like at the time, I forget who did, did Lamette direct that movie? Uh, yeah. Sidney Lamette. Um, he's also one of those directors that he, he fires them one after another. Yeah. So like he's, he was never one to do like, you know, big grand productions, at least to my knowledge, if there, if there is one out there, don't at me. I haven't, I just haven't seen it yet, but Lamette, uh, he, he usually does pretty tight ones. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you totally. Like if I were to watch that today, I'd be like, man, this is slow. Yeah. It, it's, but it, it's, it, it's compelling. It just takes a minute to get there. And mm-hmm. I think it opens up with the, 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 the big turning point of the movie, Serpico getting shot. Spoilers. Um, it's, oh, it's the first minute of the movie. Um, yeah. But I feel like nowadays that feels more like a hindrance than a help. Or back in when it came out, like in, in, uh, in 73, like I feel like that, that's, a, that's a good hook now for mm-hmm. then. But like now it's just like, okay, but like, we're, it's gonna be forever until we get used and that like i just yeah. want to know what happens now yeah. um and maybe that's just my brain the way my brain's structured for these movies um i just i'm not a big huge fan of movies that open up with like the ending and then we have to get there i i'm fine with the medius res like i love memento um and that's a medius res and everything and then you mm-hmm. you have that weird piece together um Medius res isn't the problem it's just starting at the end and then going all the way back and working forward feels exhausting to me nowadays maybe it's just because of how life is <laughs> yeah well i mean well like you, you mentioning memento like memento is one of those things that the gimmick is happening in front of you and when you yeah. figure it out midway you're you're also trying to figure out oh you, you your mind does the whole it's been playing one way but you have to put it together in reverse or into and a better extent like tenant now like the yeah yeah tenant which i still need to see but i've, I've heard it as that but but like in like you said it correctly you know 73 that's probably a new thing i mean yeah it's just like you know in their mid-60s when jean-luc godard did jump cuts no one had seen that before and everyone's yeah. like what's happening um but and, and, it, and it could be too like serpico at the time like some of my dad because we were watching it together he's like yeah this came out like almost like a couple years after it happened <laughs> like it didn't it didn't come out like yeah. decades after it happened it came out like whether the five years after the serpico thing actually happened so like yeah. it was very quick turnaround on real life events to this and so i've mm-hmm. heard so much about the actual man and in the movie that like going into it, i'm like oh this is going to be spectacular like tour de force so it's like there i think i think there's a, there's like a handful of scenes near the end where pacino's like going like crazy and so good but like early early on he doesn't have a lot to work with yeah um and so it's it's very fascinating to see like this being one of his classics is like i like him more in other movies so sure yeah um but then i also watched the demon slayer movie which is another anime movie and and it's weird it was the first time i've been in theaters and year and a half last time i no about a year uh because last time i was in the movies was march i think march of last year um and totally safe we everybody was distanced there was like two other people in the movie theater so it wasn't that many anyways um and it felt good to be back in the theaters but not only that like it's weird that Ufotable as an anime studio like does really good work anime wise and they're doing the new cutscenes for the new tales game 
but they have a cinema cinematography and animation that is movie level like not ghibli mm-hmm. like cinematography i'm talking like michael bay like bombastic yeah that yeah. works so well on the big screen because they have done a really good job of doing 3d environments to look so realistic that they can swoosh the camera around in action scenes and really get those angles on characters that you don't see in most anime so seeing that kind of animation on a big screen felt like i was watching the summer blockbuster mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a good time um don't know if like i would say go to the theaters to see it if, if once first off if you haven't watched the anime like you can still watch it but it is a continuation of that story like it is important to that story so there's background information you probably want to know going in but i think it works if for a theater like it's really surprising to see it work so well that's all i got cool so well then matthew it is your turn to present a movie okay so uh i have a weird problem in my life that I will talk about something and then immediately move on to something else really, really fast. Um, I know last week, or not last week, last episode, uh, I had talked about uh, Panther Panjali, which is the first film in the Apu trilogy by Satyajit Ray. And then uh, a couple days ago, I said, hey, why why not do rules of the game? But then today before showtime, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull another one. And I brought a movie that I haven't seen. uh, But I have an interesting story about this movie, even though I haven't seen it. But it's uh, The Phantom from 1996. It's a comic book movie that uh, I don't really remember the reception for. But my mother used to work for a company called Ingram Entertainment, where she would get promo copies of movies, you know, and she would bring home at least three a day like in a in a week we would get upwards of 30 new vhs's just throughout the week because they just handed this stuff out well with this particular movie uh she brought home a promo pack that should have gone to like that probably well probably would have gone to like a blockbuster or uh, or a movie or even a movie theater to to some degree but it had the vhs it had um it had the plastic ring that's a replica of the character's ring it had the mask mm-hmm. and i think it had a i think it had like a, a hood attached to it because i remember putting it on and thinking i looked like one of the aquabats when when i was in high school but i never actually watched this movie so i was like you know what i feel like this might be a this might be a better opening salvo than just saying, hey, let's watch a French film from the 30s or, or an Indian film from the 50s. And let's, let's, let's try something a little more potentially fun or it's probably just going to be a complete and total shit show and we'll never speak of it again. But I'm bringing the Phantom. Okay, so we're going to, so it's, it's just that we're doing the Phantom. Okay. Well, I was gonna say is like that is that what we're deciding on right now? Or? I I I I mean I if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. I honestly that, that's the thing is like other than I know I've seen the Phantom, but I was very young and it was probably on TV, so I don't remember it. I have no real buy-in to any of the three. Other okay. other than I like just exploring different genres, and I also like superhero movies, good or bad. Like I mm-hmm. will say I enjoyed watching the train wreck that is the spirit. Like it's fine. Um, 
so the spirit which one is that is that like that the is, sin city knockoff that uh it's it's or it was like a the trailer was like a sin city knockoff i mean the movie is basically sin, sin city spinoff but like okay it, it was directed by frank miller produced by robert rodriguez <laughs> oh geez yeah starring uh so many people like eva greens and i believe uh jessica alba's in it uh samuel jackson's the bad guy where at some point he wears nazi regalia like the spirit let me see here so yeah the spirit has a 30 on, on metacritic uh yeah. scarlett johansson samuel jackson Jeez. Uh, who else there's a ton of people in this movie that just aren't listed eva mendez um okay sarah paulson's in it oh wow yeah like it is a fascinating wow yeah now not to be confused with sam jones the spirit starring uh samuel jones uh which is like an old (laughs) old version that came out in 87 um but anyways so yeah i'm fine with i'm really fine with anything um, I'm just curious, where do you think that like your interest is leading towards like right away? Do we want to get right into the heaviness of uh, foreign films or do we want to keep the light tone for a bit? Uh, you know what? Let's, I feel like, you know, that the way that you put it, not, now that you put it that way, I'm like I work in healthcare, I deal in heavy all day long. Let's watch The Phantom. Okay, so we're watching The Phantom. <laughs> Let's watch The Phantom. Two weeks from now, uh, we will be watching The Phantom. I know it's on Paramount Plus. It might be on Amazon Prime. Um, I think it's on Prime. Because I, I, I looked at that earlier. I think it's on Prime. Phantom. I don't think you have to pay for it either. Whereas I know that thing you do, you had to rent on Prime. So. Yeah, so yeah, let me see. We're, watch movie. Let's see what Google says. See if it tells me anything else. Yes, Paramount Plus, Amazon Prime. It says subscription. Anytime I'm assuming that just means Amazon Prime subscription. Yeah. Or if you want to buy it, you can buy it for a dollar on iTunes or three dollars on YouTube. So, there you go. There yeah. you go. Um, so yeah, so two weeks from now, we'll be talking about the fans. Only an hour and 40 minutes, so it's easy watch for that. I don't know if it's an easy watch because it's good or bad, um, but it's an easy watch because it's short. Um, yes. And then uh, we'll have a new system for movies, and we might have a guest scheduled for the third week, so that person will bring their own movie if they do, and that's what we'll be watching. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for watching. Uh, you can find us on Twitter if you want to talk. Like, we'll have when this episode comes out, we'll probably have a post saying, "Hey, what do you think of the movie if you watched it?" Um, where you mm-hmm. can leave your thoughts, and maybe we'll read some of those thoughts next episode if we get some. Yes. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at at free reeling it f r e e r e e l i n g i t on Twitter. Um, or you can email us at free reeling it i believe isn't it just free reeling it at gmail.com or did yeah, i free reeling it at gmail.com yeah and uh in the theme song i'll let you take that matthew who did our theme song? so so the theme song is done by a really good friend of mine his name is jason herrick uh he can be found at dead eye productions on instagram um he's just recently got back into the making music game and he's he sent me he's at the time he sent me this it was the second track that he sent me and i i really liked it and i actually said i said to myself mike i'll bet you this could work as a theme song for a podcast and i forwarded it to jesse he's like i like this and so now it's a theme song for our podcast and uh i couldn't be happier i also want to mention that uh jason was part of a duo called the hope street steppers they did uh, one of my favorite reggae albums ever in 2013. Uh, I believe it is called, 
I believe it's just called the Hope Street Steppers. I am bad at memory, but uh, they have plenty of great just instrumental dub dub tracks. Uh, they also dip into some Latin flavor, a little bit of everything. Um, they even they even get some straight up Rocksteady and ska on there. It's really good. Check it out. It's on Spotify. Hope Street Steppers at Dead Eye Productions on Instagram. That's where you can find him. All right, cool. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoy the movie this week. Uh, yes. See you next time. Finish that popcorn. <laughs> <laughs>